Hey everyone and welcome to Beyond the Field podcast, the official podcast of the Drum Major Leadership Academy. My name is Joshua Hecht, I'm the director here with DMLA and I'm joined by the entire DMLA admin team for today's episode. Episode one of season two, we can't wait to get started. We've been talking for the past half an hour now about what it's like to be a drum major and one of the really cool things that we're finding is of course you have the conducting like you do on the podium, like you do in rehearsal, but there's so much more that also has to do with being a leader. Does anyone want to talk about some of the key parts of, of being a drum major and succeeding in the role? Yeah, so my name is Dallin Hurd. Uh, I am the head of development uh, here at Drum Major Leadership Academy. I go to Troy University in Troy, Alabama, go Trojans. Uh, and I'm also a drum major at the Blue Knights and I'm March Cascades in 19. So uh, being a drum major is like, it, it's like- And you're my best friend. Yeah, that's my best friend. Yeah, Jenny Valet is my best friend, by the way. Being a drum major is like, there are so many different parts of it. And like, and I always tell this to people, conducting is like, one percent of being a drum major it's it's a one percent conducting 99 percent leadership and um the biggest thing that i like i would ever like say like like before talking about high school drum major college drum major or drum corps drum major is that being a drum major is not a position it's not something that you strive for uh for a title it's a it's a lifestyle it's something that you wake up in the morning and you do. It's like when I wake up in the morning and like my, my roommate, you know, like I, 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 how do I set him up for success so that he has a good day? I'm going to move my shoes away from the door so that he doesn't trip him, trip on them when he gets up. So it's putting other people, other people's needs first. And, and that's like a very simple step, you know, uh, Savannah. I, hi, I just real quick want to add here, uh, but I am Savannah Light. I am a drum major over at the Troopers. Uh, I'm a communications major at Ball State Troop Troop. But I wanted to add, Dallin, you just said that drum major is not just a title that you go, to, uh, you strive to get. It's a lifestyle. I wanted to add that leadership, being a leader in general, is a lifestyle, and you don't just choose to be a leader when you want to be. You're always a leader. You can be a leader in every aspect of your life. You can be a leader for your family, even if you're the youngest. You can be the leader at your school, in your classroom. Um, you, just because you're uh, this small person and don't have this title maybe in that room, that doesn't mean you can't be a leader. You can lead from all areas. There's a great book called the uh, like 360 Leadership by John Maxwell, I think is his name. Um, and so that's a cool book if you ever want to hear more about being a 360 leader and leading from all directions. I think that's really cool. Dallin, when you were saying earlier that being a drum major is only 1% conducting, I was like, it can't be that slim. Like my, my opinion of it has always been, you know, 10% conducting, 90% leadership. But as we're talking about this, I'm really seeing what you mean. Um, in preparation for the role, 99% of what your director is looking for is probably going to be that leadership lifestyle. Someone that picks up trash in the band room or closes an open locker, whatever it might be, the small things that can make a big difference in the culture of your program. But I think it is really cool to also know that, you know, in preparation for the audition, the biggest thing people probably need to learn is going to be conducting. Leadership is something we should be doing from day one, but conducting is something that might be a little bit new for a lot of us. Um, what have all of your experiences been in the audition process, like with conducting? Chris, I know you have um, a pretty interesting one for the BOA Honor Band. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So there was two parts of the audition that I absolutely loved, and it helped me improve my conducting and um, on podium time so much. So the first one, uh, actually, let me talk about the two qualities that are super important to develop when you are developing your sense of conducting and that is time and clarity. So time, what exactly does that mean? That means keeping in time. 
whether you're on tempo, off tempo or whatever, if you are consistent, that is what is important, that you're not um, skipping beats or doing weird stuff. You want to stay in time, whatever your tempo is. The next one, clarity, is can the people that you are conducting actually read your pattern? Is the ensemble that you are conducting to able to um, visualize the music that is happening in your hands? Uh, so regarding time, the first uh, exercise but audition piece or audition exercise that I went through for the honor band was trying to pick time out of the air. And that was you would stand in a room for about two minutes, there's no sound, nothing going on, and then the instructor or whoever is leading it, whether you're a director, would say, okay, conduct at 72 beats per minute. And without any metronome or anything else, you would just have to say, okay, here's 72. And just being able to pick it out of the air and stay with it. Um, and then they would move on to other tempos, like 144. And the way that I trained for that was finding songs that um, are exactly or close to the beats per minute that you're looking for. So if you know that you're going to be tested on, let's say, 180 beats per minute, a good song for that is uh, Can't Wait to Be King from The Lion King. Um, Can I, I hop in was... real quick? Absolutely. Okay, uh, Geneva, I know you wanted to talk, but I just, I had, I had my notes pulled up. Uh, it's called, uh, for all the people listening, uh, my, it says Songs for Not Being Bad. That's my song title list. But it's, uh, it ranges from tempos uh, from 60, 80, 100, 124, 130, 140, 160, 180, and 200 BPM. Um, yeah, that's absolutely perfect. Yeah, and like I, I, 60 BPM is The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Uh, 80 BPM is High Hopes. Um, I would recommend like doing it 20 click intervals. Um, and not like every 10. The reason why I did 10 for like 124, 130, 140 is because I used to like, I had this show chunk that was like very, very confusing. And it was like the different, and it's crazy. Cause like, you'll, you'll literally be like conducting like, yeah, this is 134 and the metronome, like somebody clicking, it's like, oh yeah, that's 145. And you're like, what the heck? So yeah, like having like the distinctions anyways. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just being able to pick time out of the air is really important. The second one, um, was being able to conduct the same piece in different styles. So you would take one piece of music and say, okay, I'm going to conduct it very regally and um, like a march style. And then you could take the exact same piece and conduct it very lyrically. And um, being able to have that variety as a drum major is very important. And I know your director or whoever you're underneath um, is going to really appreciate that. Yeah. Chris, I just wanted to add on to what you were saying about how a drum major and how we conduct, uh, we do focus on clarity and time. Whereas maybe if you're first out, like new to the whole term conducting, besides like a trained conductor, um, you've probably seen conductors being the, the guys and girls that uh, will conduct for symphonies and um, like your, your town symphony and orchestras and stuff like that. And they're probably like just waving their arms and you have no clue what's happening. They're two very different worlds. There's that conducting orchestra style of conducting. There's also like jazz conducting, which is hardly conducting. Um, but it, it is, I just wanted to make sure everyone knew that there is a difference between those like concert and orchestra conducting and our drum major on field conducting. 
Yeah, it's really interesting too to see like the leadership differences between a concert conductor who's probably doing a lot of the teaching and also a drum major who might just be helping with the cleaning process or even with the visual stuff, you know? Um, Geneva, I know when you're at Phantom Regiment, you are able to bring so many amazing expressive qualities to the podium, but kind of like Chris was saying, clarity still comes first. How do you find that balance between having these amazing gestures and really beneficial cues, but not kind of going overboard? This is actually perfect because I'm glad that we outlined timing and clarity first. In Phantom's conducting style, we kind of have a tier system of we want timing to be the number one thing, clarity a very close second. And then even though a lot of people think of Phantom conductors as doing these grandiose, you know, cues and, and cutoffs and things like that, we have musicality at a very, very low standpoint compared to the other two, timing and clarity. So I would say when I'm learning a piece, um, and I can, and my colleagues, Dawson and Claire, um, and the other drum major, my, uh, first year marching at Phantom Beaven, they can attest to this too. There's kind of building blocks to all of the learning process. So we learn it oftentimes without a baton first and just learn the general structure. And we don't, we try not to even think about um, that quote unquote extra stuff or the frosting on top of the cake. And then we start to slowly build up incorporating baton technique, um, but still doing a default run, you know, um, still just testing ourselves on whether or not we know the structure. And then finally we start to think about what it means in the context of the show, the expressive qualities that are needed, um, how certain entrances should be cued, uh, all of those kinds of things. And the, the entire time, I think the main question we're asking ourselves is, is this for us or is it for the ensemble? And that's a very important, is it for us? Is it for the staff? Is it for the ensemble? And a lot of the time it's really tempting to do things because you want to satisfy this need in yourself to be musically expressive and that's fantastic but there are ways to do that in ways that don't hinder the performance of the core or that um you know kind of satisfy the selfish need and i think that i love that about the phantom conducting style we're always asking ourselves that question and of course we're taking in feedback from the members themselves asking them you know like was this clear here or we want to welcome them to tell us if something doesn't look right and they'll ask us hey can you conduct this one chunk for us just so we can see and that works out really well and on top of that too um the staff will have so many opinions and even if you're in high school you will probably be wanting feedback from your members and from your directors sometimes you get it sometimes you don't but that's why you have to be constantly asking yourself is this for me is this for the core is it for what purpose does this serve and evaluate how that aligns with your own leadership philosophy beyond conducting and that's that's a pretty good guide, I would say. I think it's really cool how you think about it in that structure. I know when I was entering my first year of conducting a drum corps, I was so quick to get to the expressive qualities, the cues and the gestures and the entrances and releases and anything I could possibly do to elevate my level of showmanship. Funny enough, Dallin, still, Dallin and I still joke about this to this day of what I looked like my first year of conducting. But Geneva, your analogy was so good of, of the frosting on the cake. When I first started, I had a really thin slice of cake and my frosting was like through the roof. It was probably really disgusting if it were a real piece of cake. But Dallin, what are what are some of your things? Because you helped me a lot as a conductor. 
okay at the high school level if you will the high school level um i know that for me when i was in high school i was so fixated on like there was like this big entrance and i was like i'm gonna freaking do the star spangled banner over here and then like hit this note um yeah and it's just like it's kind of it's, it's like an early conductor mindset uh like i i use like this scale um there's like four degrees to it and it's it, so it starts as uh learner or learning um beginner or sorry learning metronome conductor artist so there's like four levels and like when you start off everyone's a beginner you got to be good you got to be new at something you're always the new person at something right and you know we, we actually funny enough we just had a conversation about uh a, a new people and like what what to call new, new people whether it be rookie or whatever um but like it's not it's it's not bad to be new at something and and like you know like josh like was joking about uh we were all new so like i while i was over here trying to do all this expressive mess and my band director's like hi uh excuse me where's count one and i'm like oh forgot about that sorry um so like what geneva was saying is like perfect um and if you look at blue knights uh which is the drum corps that i'm i'm excited about that by the way um if you look at blue knights 2019 and daniel belcher who's the head drum major in 19 um if if he would have asked the questions that Geneva was saying, he would not have done about 70% of what he did. Um, <laughs> but uh, Daniel is like one of my best influences for conducting. And like, I love Daniel so much. Uh, but like, at, 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 there's a, there comes a certain point where like your ensemble becomes so elevated in their perception and like what they can see. And like, and like especially that Daniel's been marching there for four years. Like, it, it, this goes into like expression and stuff, but like Daniel had that connection with his ensemble and like they communicated on an individual level. I know I like to say like, um, when you're conducting, you're playing an individual game of cards with every member on the field. And that's what Daniel did. He did it for four years. So he could go up there and like conduct all kinds of polyrhythms and like do crazy stuff with his arms. And they would just understand because they had that, you know, one-to-one -one connection. But like um, going back all the way to what Josh originally said, um, like we, we memed, uh, a video about him uh he did like this really weird cue and uh, like josh is such a good conductor i, I like i just want to i just want to say that josh is a really good conductor uh but like in 18 he did this really funny cue and like to this day like we still have a meme about it but uh yeah so yeah i've never lived that down <laughs> I actually, but I, so i mean i wanted to add something onto what Dallin was talking about because earlier i wanted to make a point about leadership and we started talking about conducting and whatnot and i know that we're saying that Conducting is such a small percentage in the grand scheme of things, but they're also very well intertwined, which is what Dallin's kind of touching on, which is, you know, you're only able to do so much stuff conducting-wise if you've built that trust behind the scenes. And there's also a parallel, too, in kind of the stages he outlined of being a learner all the way to an artist. I remember when I first became a drum major, I had a very specific image in mind as to what that looked like. You know, I wanted... Um, the responsibilities that I was able to see as a freshman, which meant helping set drill and of course conducting and um, helping out the staff by taking sections to the side, all the stuff. And I came from a program that was fortunate enough to give their leaders that much um, freedom and opportunity to teach. And I loved all of that and I loved seeing all that. And I was like, I want to do that. But it started to put me in a box. And then at a certain point, your membership and your directors, a lot of the time, if if they're intuitive enough, which many of them are, people can sense genuinity and sincerity, they will want something more from you. They don't want you to be a copy of the last great drum major that was in your position. Um, 
And I think about that same thing with Phantom. You know, I was, I was super inspired by Claire Wilcox before I marched with her. But I knew that to set myself apart in my own audition, my goal is not to be a copy of her. My goal is not to be a copy of Koji Mori or Will Pitts or, um, you know, one of my band directors was a conductor for Phantom. Um, and I didn't want to be a copy of him either. And I love all of them so, so much. But I think sometimes when people get confused as to why maybe they don't feel as invested in the role, especially they don't feel as invested in the role multiple year multiple years later versus their first year or they don't feel as though they're hitting the mark or they don't feel as inspired it's because eventually you have to look at yourself for inspiration a little bit and that sounds corny but it's absolutely true and again your ensemble and your staff slash band directors will see this they will see if you're trying to be a copy of another person and they'll also see if you're trying to conduct like another person and that's sometimes the hardest work because you don't really have a list of instructions to work through in terms of how do I make myself my own leader and how do I make myself me and um, I know that I still struggle with that a lot especially with perception of other people but I think it's good to just enter the role if it's your first year or this next season it's your multiple year um, conducting to just always be thinking about that at least so that you can check yourself on your own uh, authenticity. I love what you're saying. And a, a big part of that, I think, is, you know, if we're always trying to be this other person, we're never going to be the best version of ourselves, whether it's as a conductor, as a leader or elsewhere. Growth happens outside of your comfort zone. And especially as you're preparing for auditions right now, this is the time to try something new. This is the time to see how much you can experiment, how much you can grow in your conducting and in your leadership abilities. You don't have to wait to earn that role to make that happen. Now is the chance to learn and grow. Chris, I know you wanted to say something and I just cut you off. But what's up? Absolutely. Uh, Geneva, I wanted to uh, touch on a, um, a particular word that you mentioned, and that's authenticity. Um, so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Chris Holthus. I'm the head of finance here at DMLA. Um, I have a few years of being a drum major underneath my belt at a few different places, um, and I'm currently studying finance at U of M. So the word authenticity is something that we talk about um, when we teach or it's something that we teach during our workshops. So we have a section in our workshops that um, talks about individual personalities. So we have um, each one of our students take a personality quiz slash test before they come to our workshop to know what type of personality they have. Um, generally, we do either the Myers-Briggs test or the Enneagram test. And the culmination of that section is really that there is no one personality or person type that is a better leader than another every personality type can be a fantastic leader so that word authenticity really means be true to who you are and be the best leader that you can be with your personality don't try and imitate someone else you can use other people to um to your advantage and take some of their ideas and apply it to yourself however per perfectly trying to mimic someone isn't going to get you the best results. It's that word authenticity. You need to be true to yourself. Chris, what I love about what you're saying 
is that like, yes, even with 16 different personality types or nine different Enneagram numbers, whatever it is, like that's a lot of options. But even beyond that, you don't have to be your personality type. You can be your own person. I know that's something that Savannah and I have talked about a lot. We're very different types. Savannah, you're an adventurer, right? Yes, yes, I am in those 16 personalities, yes. Yeah, and so actually, can you talk a little bit more about that and kind of what that spectrum or what that type represents? Yeah, so in the 16 personality uh, quiz, there's the four different things, right? The, I can't remember all of them, but it's like um, the analysts, the diplomats, the um, explorers, which I am, and then the um, centennials or something like that. I can't remember it. I'm sorry. Um, the color's blue, if that helps. Um, but in that yellow category, us explorers, we're typically the ones that are going to be much more um, free-flowing and... Uh, we observe a lot, we like to take in our surroundings and everything, and um, we're probably a little bit more reactionary um, than some of the other types in the 16 personalities, but definitely in that yellow category explorers, we're very uh, go with the flow. Uh, we like the schedule, but we will probably change it at the same time if we make it. So uh, that, that's a little bit about that. And I think that's exactly how we're different, Josh, is that you're pretty regimented and you like a schedule and this is how you want it to be whereas I'm very like I can go with whatever happens here yeah actually that's a funny point because for full transparency even when planning this podcast I was talking to everyone on the team I was like we should like lay out a bullet point of everything we want to talk about script those transitions and make this like really really thought through and like I mean Savannah like just for this personality example that doesn't work for everyone and that doesn't work for every leader and everyone has a different style so not only knowing what works best for you but what works best for your director for your ensemble is going to be really really helpful in the leadership parts of the role austin i know you have something that you want to add to that go ahead yes so the thing is that we're, t we're talking about personalities and personalities are important because it, it makes everyone unique they're they're a different person than the person that they're sitting next to i'm different than josh uh actually let me back up my name's austin I forgot to introduce myself. My name is Austin. Uh, I'm, a, I'm the old man of the group. I'm a uh, first year master's student at the University of South Carolina. I was drum major in high school um, and I did Carolina band all four years and enjoyed every minute of it. But going now back forward, so pressing the fast forward button, um, personalities make us unique. I'm not the same as Josh and Josh is not the same as me. And how you can you and so moving towards auditions, your personality can actually add a powerful uniqueness uh, into your audition because even though everyone is doing the exact same audition material, you get to shine when you take that material and make it your own. Uh, for example, my audition was probably the same as everyone else's. Uh, we probably had to pull uh, time uh, uh, tempo markings out of our out of our head. We probably had to conduct the national anthem. Uh, we probably had to do some type of voice command thing to see whether or not we could project uh, to our large group at a uh, around a large surface area known as the football field. Right. So um, those are places where you can add in yourself when you get into a. Um, audition and you are conducting times yes you can only conduct times but how do you do that your personality tells you okay i'm going to take how many seconds to do this and then move forward when you conduct the national anthem your personality is going to show i'm very organized i'm very regimented so when i conduct the national anthem it was very regimented 
and the, the impact points were very powerful. Um, and then going into the voice commands, my personality is very, again, kind of headstrong. So my commands kind of come off headstrong and a little too intense sometimes, which I, I wish I wasn't so intense, especially being shorter. I don't want to have like a Napoleon complex, if anybody knows what that is. Bonus points if you know that. Uh, know that. Um, so personality helps your auditions and actually can make you um, unique from your competitors um, and allows your con uh, band director to see so many different ways of doing the exact same thing and getting the exact same result. Uh, Jeeva, actually, go ahead. Uh, I know you wanted to say something. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Austin brought up some really great points and um, about about being yourself. And I feel like, okay, personally, I have a very difficult problem with trusting the people I present myself to. And myself and the admin team, we've talked about this a billion times. Each of us have our weaknesses in terms of communicating and our tendencies in communicating. And you all are probably even hearing some of this now as we're talking to each other. But oftentimes I feel like I have to present myself at 200% all of the time because I don't trust that if someone talks to me for just 10 seconds that they really know everything about me that they need to know about me to trust me and to put their faith in me and think that I am a great leader. Um, and so in auditions, Sometimes it's a difficult thing to grapple with with you know I need to do so much hard work to make sure that whoever is watching me knows who I am that this is genuinely uninhibited me and um, That's a lot to ask of yourself, but I think that in your working on an audition you have to be thinking about if you had to do it the next day do you feel like you could step away from it and say, okay, they know enough about who I am that if they say no or if they say yes, then it's truly because they knew everything about who I was enough to make the right call. And that's, again, that's a big ask and that means a lot of preparation. You know, if you work on your audition material just the day before, I don't know if you'd be able to answer that question. You know, would your director or would the staff that is watching you really know you enough to make the right call about who you are? And um, that's that's something to grapple with. And I think just one other thought that came to mind too about this audition conversation is in the context of college marching band and in the context of DCI, DCA, where you kind of have a choice, more of a choice, as to whether or not you want to um, participate in the activity and participate in a leadership role, you have to look at what the, the audition process looks like and think, does this, would this give me opportunities to accurately represent myself? If you're looking at an organization that has an audition that maybe doesn't seem comprehensive to you, you know, maybe it's a bunch of conducting but very little interviews, or maybe it's a really comprehensive thing but you you know only one person is judging the audition, um, or maybe it's closed or open auditions, all of those are really valid factors for you to narrow down which organization fits you best. I love Phantom's audition process because it is open to people who have marched there before or not, people who are brass players, percussionists or not, um, to people who have never marched drum corps before or who have a ton tons of experience. And it's 
typically in a normal year a three-stage process over an entire weekend and there's sometimes callbacks like the year that I got contracted in 2019 um, or for the season of 2019 so that helped me realize and helped me know especially with how I feel about perception and wanting the people I'm around to trust me that their holistic process is comprehensive enough for me and my standards to really show and prove who I am so that if they say no that I would feel happy with what was done leading up to that decision and I have tons of friends in other places that feel the same way about where they audition so wherever you're deciding to go just make sure that you are reviewing their process completely and thinking would I be happy with whatever results because of what I did and because of what they did yeah and so going back a couple of sentences to what uh, what Geneva was saying um, being able to trust people um, me and Geneva, like we, we've had, we, me and her did not used to like each other. Actually, fun fact, uh, like me and her, like our personalities clashed a lot. Um, but the more and more we started talking and communicating, the more and more like we started to, I guess, vibe with each other. And like, I, I, I just straight up told her one day, I was like, like, I'm gonna give all of my trust to you and know that anything that I say, like, I hope that it's received with the most best and purest intent because I care about you, Geneva, as a person, right? And um, I think that's that's a really important part about making communicator connections with you know the people who you march with. So um, that's something that I wish I would have known when I first started was like how to do what me and Geneva did there. And so with that being said, uh, what are some things that we wish that we had known while we started off uh, on the drummager route? Love you, Dallin. I can actually go ahead. Um and take this one because I have a really good example um, when I first was getting into leadership and kind of realizing what a drum major was. So generally, I would say the traditional um, view of leadership is like a triangle where you have like your director is the pinnacle top and drum major is like number two and they're kind of like the all-star of the band. But something I wish I knew was that leadership isn't a triangle where you're at the top it's actually an upside down triangle and the triangle represents responsibility so the higher up you go in the triangle the more responsibility you have to the organization because a lot of people think that like okay i'm just going to be a drum major i'm just going to get to stand on a podium con conduct and tell people what to do which is so not the case there are so many other responsibilities um like m making sure people have th things memorized make sure all the equipment is set like the list goes on and on. So just understanding that the higher up you go in an organization, the more work you have to do, not less. So that's definitely something that I wish that, that I knew a long time ago. Yeah. And Savannah, I'm going to steal the words right out of your mouth because I know this thought went through your head, but I don't know if you're ready to, to say it and pop in. But Chris, when you were saying that, um, you actually said a phrase, the more work you have to do. And I think an interesting thing with leadership is that, I mean, obviously we're all in marching band, obviously a lot of us are band nerds and we love doing this insane activity that we love so much. But it's not necessarily that as we get higher up and have more responsibilities, it's not really that we have to do more, but rather we get to do more. Um, we want to do yes. more. Savannah, yeah. Savannah yes, explains that, that far better point. than I do. But do you want to talk about that, Savannah? Yeah, I'll just briefly touch on it. Um, Chris and I actually probably learned about this both together at um, a DMI event a couple years back um, from Frank Kick, actually, where it's um, 
it, you start out where you have, you're in this mindset where you have to do things, right? Um, and that's typically where, what, like when you're starting out in high school or when you're starting out um, in a leadership thing, you're thinking, oh, I have to do these things and that sucks. Um, and I don't really want to. And then you get to this point where you're like, no, I kind of want to do this. This is awesome. And I, and I, I want to do these things. And um, I, I think it's awesome that I get to do these things. And that, that second you think, I think it's awesome that I get to do these things is when that mindset uh, kind of changes and you're like, I get to do this. And I wish I, that's something I wish I kind of knew about before I auditioned and um, starting to get into leadership and, ev and everything is having that I get to do these things mindset um, would have helped me have a like more appreciation of what I was doing and what I could be doing and what I am doing for others is that get, I get to mindset. Yeah, and, and I love what you're saying there and it relates a lot to my experience and thoughts on this too, Dallin. Um, is that when I first became a drum major, I definitely went from that have to to the want to to the get to phase, but I didn't always, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. As the drum major, I was like, here's the responsibilities that I have to be held accountable for. And I would do my part to get those done as best as possible. But I did it to a degree where I really stopped focusing on, okay, I need to take care of myself too. I would make sure the metronomes are programmed. I would make sure I've studied my scores so that I can conduct. And I would make sure that everything was kind of working the way it needed to. But by doing that, again, A, I forgot to look after myself, but B, I wasn't helping share those opportunities with other people. Um, we talked about Enneagram and personality types a little bit earlier, and Savannah and I shared this a little bit too, but I'm very structured. I like to have a schedule laid out. I like to know like what's going on and, and just to make sure things are going well. And then also from an Enneagram standpoint, um, I'm, I'm a type three, which means I'm a cheap and achiever. I set goals. I always take all of these stresses because I don't want to bother other people and think I can just do it myself. Um, but the thing that I wish I knew to kind of summarize all of this together is that I had a team of people around me that I could turn to whenever I needed them. Whether it was something for my responsibility in my role or else something as a friend, being there for other people and them being there for me as well. Being a leader is not about having a title, it's not about the authority, and it's not about the position especially, but it's about being a human and being the best person possible for the rest of your ensemble to help them succeed. I hope that made sense. I know that was a lot of different things combining into one, but I, I really do wish that I knew I had a, a better team of people around me that I could turn to whenever I needed them when I first began. Austin, what about you? I have so many. I, I just wish I knew when I was in high school, um, but I will share, I'll just share three. Okay, so three, and you can time me on this. I promise I won't be long. Um, but the first one actually comes from a song. I don't know if anybody's heard this rap song. It came out in 2018. It was by the Migos. It's a rap group. Quavo sang it. It's called Walk It and Talk Walk It Talk It, right? Walk It Like I Talk It, right? Okay. So it's the that title and the concept of that song is something that you can implement while you're auditioning or preparing to audition as a drum major right now. If you're telling all your friends that you want to be a drum major and that you want to conduct the band, but you're not really portraying yourself as a future drum major, then it, you, you've lost the battle already. Uh, at, if you can just, how do I say it? Present yourself and hold yourself up to that drum major standard today, then your audition won't stress you out so much because you've already built a foundation that your band director and your peers have already seen 
and you can go forward and just do what you're required in your audition and hopefully get the end result that you want. So that's the first one. The second one is something that my college band director used to say to me and used to say to us as a band and he used to say heart on fire and mind on ice. And this goes for auditions and your performances if and when you become a drum major. You're going to be excited, your adrenaline's going to be pumping, but your mind still has to be on ice. You have to be cool, calm, and collected about anything that you're doing. Uh, when you even go into your audition, you're going to be nervous, you're going to have all this nervousness, maybe even self-doubt about what you're doing. Um, don't have that. I mean, it sounds really bad to say, but just try not to have that. Really push yourself to remember that passion uh, that you had when you said, I'm going to audition to be a drum major in your heart that's going to cause that fire. But then prepare yourself so that when you get in the audition, your mind is on ice and you're totally relaxed and you um, just, you know, do it. Just essentially do it. And then that leads me into my third and final point, which is prepare hard now so that it's not hard later. Put yourself in a routine now, and later it's just going to be a regurgitation of your, your process. In marching band, marching band is a process. Uh, we always ask the question, what's more important, the process or the product? And it's always the process. How did you get to that end result, right? Um, so understanding that, that comes into your audition process. How do you practice? How do you rehearse with yourself? Okay, now you've started a process. Now let's translate that into... When you become a drum major, how do you rehearse? What's your process? When school gets out, what do you do? Do you just like, you know, throw yourself on a chair until four o'clock and you're like, oh, I gotta go to practice? Or do you have a process where you're like, okay, I need to eat, I need to get changed. I need to make sure, you know, equipment is getting to where it needs to. Then I need to go outside, stretch before everybody else stretches um, or do whatever. And then it leads into your rehearsal process. Okay, how does the band run? And then it leads into the product known as Friday Night Lights or Saturday Night Lights. So again, all those things start now and they will translate well into your future. One of my favorite things about what you said in there, Austin, besides simply everything, was that you said begin the hard work now. A big part of the drum major audition, like obviously so many of us get stressed even today after we've done like 10 auditions each, we still get stressed when heading into an interview room. But with our programs, if you are in a position where you're auditioning for drum major this year, your audition starts now. Actually, your audition has started months ago from the day that you first walked into the band room on the very first day of band camp, on your very first day of band. Um, and, and allow that to kind of be a motivator or an incentive to continue to do your best every day. Earning the position of drum major is not just something that happens in the interview room or in the audition room, it's something that you earn from the lifestyle like Savannah and Dallin were talking about earlier. So Austin, I, I like how we kind of come for full circle on that and that absolutely makes sense. I cut off someone earlier, I don't know who it was. Um, Hi. So sorry, I actually, <laughs> It's all good. Okay, so Austin talked a lot about a concept that he outlined in his kind of three pieces of advice and I think that's integrity. It's doing things because you want to do them and doing things now with, before, during, after the title because of a concept Dallin spoke about earlier which is drum major being a lifestyle and not a position. So it all kind of wraps up together. I will say that something that um, 
I wish I knew in addition to or in relation to this concept of integrity is you you need to do things without expecting to be able to control an external factor. So I know that sounds like this big cloudy abstract thing, but you are not able to, in any position, able to control absolutely everything around you. You cannot control the fact that some members might not like you as much as they liked the last drum major. Some directors might feel the same way. Some people may think of you very differently than you think of yourself. Um, the band placing higher than they did at one competition versus another you can't control that all by yourself. <laughs> you just cannot. You also can't control in the audition room, auditioning for the position, so this is even before you get the role, um, how good someone else does compared to you or how they're seen by the people judging, the staff or the directors. And I know I have a huge problem with this because it's very easy in these roles of high scrutiny to feel as though you have to feel bad and feel responsible for anything possibly negative that happens with you remotely involved. And that sounds like maybe a crazy exaggeration for those that don't struggle with this mindset, but a lot of leaders and specifically drum majors do feel this way. And it doesn't get you as far as it may feel in the moment. I used to think I had to owe all of my success to the fact that I showed perfectionist qualities or that I felt like a type A quote unquote kind of person, that I um, you know, did everything that was expected of me plus some. I used to think that all of those were pros of my personality and pros of being a drum major without any ramifications or consequences. But that's just not true because especially if you continue on to be a leader, drum major or not, in band or not, when you continue to be a leader beyond the position and while you're in the position, exhibiting these qualities without seeing how they might be harmful to you in the long run is not sustainable. And what the programs around you need, what the people who love you around you need, what you need to owe to yourself is to be around strong, consistent, and sustainable. And so I would just caution a lot of new drum majors out there, because again, this is something that I wish I knew, to only focus on what you can control. Trust in yourself and that'll help guide your integrity. And know that you cannot blame yourself for every possible thing that happens to you, your program, your team, and the things that you love in your life very much. No matter how much you want to, you just can't. So um, I think that's, that's very important for anyone if you get the position or not. And it's good to practice in band and outside of it as well. Geneva, I absolutely love everything that you're saying, from things about imposter syndrome to advice for the audition. There is so much to be working on around the clock as drum majors, and it's a lifestyle we can begin today. I want to thank all of you for being here with us, whether you're listening or to all of you on the episode today, admin team. Thank you all so much for being here. Be sure to subscribe for many more podcasts from Beyond the Field. We would like to thank our official sponsor of this podcast, The Band App, for all of their support. Um, and without further ado, we'll see you next time. Stay inspired. <laughs>